ओम सहनावतु सहनौ भुनत्तु सह वीर्यम करवावहि तेजस्विनावधी तमस्तु मावित्विशावहि ओम शांति 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 श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः हरि Hey, I wasn't there for the last class. Any key takeaways from the last class? Otherwise, we'll straight away jump into the. The last class was fifteen to twenty, I think, right? That's uh, right. Fifteen to nineteen. We thought 19. we'll cover twenty uh, this time because uh, twenty through twenty-three were all clubbed together. So, Kishore, you want to summarize? Last time I was outside, so I didn't really. Yeah, I'm just looking. Um, yeah. It beats me actually. I'm I'm going and drawing a blank in terms of anything yeah. special that he spoke about. Um, I think no worries. We can start with uh, this week. Yeah, yeah, speech. I think in the last uh, section, what I can see is, I mean, one of one, one of my favorite one is the Yukta Ahar Viharasya. So it, it doesn't mean that completely abstain or, you know, go overboard on the other side. Just take a middle path is, is what it focuses upon. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Um, whether it is, uh, you know, it is, it, and Ahar doesn't only mean uh, what we eat, but uh, food for all the five senses. So, yeah. So I think uh, with that, probably we can. Anyone want to share any aha moments from the uh, twenty to twenty-five? Yeah, I clearly got a feeling that uh, Swami C uh, feels these are one some of the. Uh, you know, really impactful verses in the whole of uh, Bhagavad Gita. He mentions a couple of times that these are very important and uh, uh, have a lot of import, if you will, in terms of uh, what uh, they give away, in terms of what are the uh, steps to follow and what you can expect as a result of uh, uh, following uh, this uh, yoga of meditation, so to say. Um, really love some of the messaging in these uh, uh, shlokas. Uh, I also happen to have heard uh, one session of uh, SPG, uh, Swami SPG, uh, on uh, stanzas 20 and 21, and he goes through the, uh, you know, Patanjali Yoga Sutras 
stages of uh, meditation, which starts with um, uh, dharana, dhyana, and uh, samadhi, right? Mm -hmm. Those three uh, steps and uh, how each of them is progressively more advanced, uh, starting with dharana, which is more of a focus and uh, goes on to explain uh, the different terms involved uh, with the various um, forms of samadhi as well, which I thought was uh, very uh, informative. Um, also learned that uh, the Vedantic teaching uh, and uh, the Nirvikalpa Samadhi is not referred to in Patanjali Yoga Sutras, it's called something else, but there is an equivalent to Nirvikalpa Samadhi in Patanjali Yoga Sutras. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, these are wonderful uh, verses, very important, and uh, really love them. Thank you, Dave. Hey, but um, Alpana, uh, we normally, someone... Chance, right? Reads, oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. So, who want to do? <clears throat> Alpana, you go ahead. No problem. I'll do it uh, later. Okay. Yatro paramate chittam nirudham yoga sevaya yatra chayvatmanatmanam pashyanatmanitushyati sukhamatyantika यत्तद्बुद्धिहिःयत्तद्बुद्धिग्राह्यमतीन्द्रियम्वेत्तियत्रनचैवायम्स्थितश्चलतितत्वतःयमलब्धवाचापरमलाभम् मन्यतेनाधिकंततःयस्विन्स्थितोनदुःखेनगुरुणापिविचाल्यतेतमविद्यादुःखसंयोगवियोगमयोगसंयतमसनिश्चयेनयोक्तव्योयोगोनिर्
you know, especially verse number 23, 24, 25, where I think there are two messages here. Um, the first message is um, the world is Maya and uh, it is temporary. And, um, you know, hello. Yeah, the world is Maya and, uh, you know, it is temporary and uh, full of misery. So, um, and it is compared to darkness, right? And uh, just like darkness of ignorance, I mean, just like darkness does not have the power to engulf light. Similarly, a person who is, um, you know, in uh, the state of yoga or in, in connection with, uh, you know, God, uh, you know, he is, um, you know, absolved of, you know, the miseries of the world. So there are two things getting implied here. One is that to attain the state of yoga, uh, there is a uh, requirement to attain, uh, you need to attain bliss and you need to have freedom from misery. And uh, through meditation, uh, I think uh, the dual process is one of uh, removing the mind from the world. And uh, number two is fixing it, fixing it on God. So somebody who's able to do this is obviously, uh, you know, in a state of samadhi. And he also says that, you know, he doesn't, uh, you know, um, uh, get distracted by it, uh, you know, uh, going forward. So I think this was some of the takes I had of the last two, three uh, stanzas in 23, 24, 25, yeah. Anyone else? Anything? <laughs> See, in fact, uh, you know, Satya Sai Baba used to say that uh, in the heart of the, you know, uh, the devotee, there is a sofa, then that sofa can occupy only one seat. So, you know, you should either give it to the God or give it to the world. Right. So, so that's how he would put it. And he said, there is no place for two, um, but there is place only for one. So you should decide. And again, you know, I keep connecting it to Dreta Atmanam Atmana, you know, because uh, uh, it keeps telling you and nudging you to decide and prioritize. And for me, the glass has always been half full every time, you know, in every circumstance in life. And it's it's how you probably take it, you know, and lift yourself up. Uh, there's a, that reminds me, there's, an, there's a Doha by Kabir also. Prem Gali okay. Okay. So that also okay. says the same thing. Yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Also refers to your heart that it is yeah. so, it is so narrow that only one can one can enter. One yeah. Can it. So either the world or uh, Prabhu. <laughs> yeah. So I had one uh, question. Uh, anyone who has read uh, the uh, verse 21 it uh, the in the commentary it is mentioned that um, when you feel that infinite bliss you're able to see it with the intellect uh, the mind is of no uh, use at that point in time it is beyond the mind but uh, the intellect is still able to see it in the sense if your intellect is pure enough then you'll be able to use your intellect to identify that state of uh, bliss is what it mentions um 
So I somehow thought somewhere else, I read that it is beyond both mind and intellect, this state of um, this. Uh, and But here it says that your intellect will help you to realize that uh, uh, that state of bliss. So I was a little, uh, you know, did I read what, did, am I not remembering what I read before, right? Or is it just a stage before getting to this ultimate uh, stage, which is beyond mind and intellect? You're right. So um, as for my understanding as well, so, uh, so mind can only uh, be happy or unhappy based upon the likes and dislikes and with the uh, with the uh, uh, so when when the um, mind usually gets happy when it comes when the the sense organs they come into contact with the objects and they they derive from it and it is the the smallest portion of or smallest uh, um, indication of it is actually the same anand we are talking about but a small reflection of it that we experience but higher than that is uh, uh, if you listen to swami spg he says there is vishayanand and then there is bhajananand bhajananand brahmananda yeah so this intermediate stage is um see atmanand cannot be experienced because who will experience it if you are the atman so it is more like absence of any sorrow, grief, etc. But if it has to be experienced by something, so it can either be experienced, the way it is trying to explain is either by the mind or by the purified intellect. If it's not purified intellect, then it is same as, you know, based upon your likes and dislikes when they get satisfied, little, little anand that we get. But once the intellect is uh, clarified, uh, it's pure. And, and as uh, Kishore explains that there is no vritti, it's absolutely quiet and calm. The bhajanan, the atmanand can reflect more in the, in the intellect. And intellect is capable of experiencing it also because it is an instrument of experience. So it can still experience and that is probably one of the highest level of anand that we can experience. Atmanand is just that it, it cannot be experienced by directly by anything. It's the state you are in, but and it's also absence of any other disturbances, etc. But there is no positive experiencing. Experiencer. Yeah. yeah, that's my understanding. That's why, you know, this one is is where the mind and intellect is calm and pure then okay. it still see the reflection which is uh, not polluted contaminated so it is of a higher quality thanks thank you yeah that's uh, very similar to how i understood it as well um yeah, it is, uh, the, the, obviously the self is beyond that, but then as you go deeper and as the mind, the thoughts uh, uh, die down, right? That, that is, um, that are, the way I've experienced this <laughs> is that there are multiple thoughts, right? One is the thoughts that are coming um, more, uh, 
well, you can see the mind and intellect kind of being, you can see the thoughts coming from both of them being slightly different in the sense that the intellect is the one that's uh, trying to tell you, yep, uh, you know, in the dharana state, it's it's trying to tell you, yeah, let's come back, let's come back, right? Let's come back to the mantra. That, that is that thought. Even that is a thought, isn't it? That, uh, um, oh, you have, you've gone away, let's, let's come back. That is also a thought. Um, the way I understand it or um, experience it is that that is from the intellect. That, that talk is from the intellect. That voice is the intellect bringing it back, right? And then the mind is the one that's, uh, um, I mean, thoughts are springing up uh, into the mind. And uh, there are times when our, um, there's enough consciousness being given to those thoughts that are springing up in the mind. And then we go away, right? We, we, we go away uh, with that thought. The awareness goes away, rather, right? There's enough being provided there, enough energy being provided there. And the intellect is trying to bring it back. So that is this play going on between uh, uh, between these two. And uh, at some point, when the the thoughts there are no more thoughts springing up, let's say, and are using one initially instead of every many, you're giving it one thing to do. The mind, the intellect is still there. And then, um, um, but the one that's observing that, right? Who is observing the intellect? So the moment uh, um, you are, you ex the intellect can turn around and ask, "Who are you?" Right. So that's when again it cannot be explained. It's the uh, it's beyond both of them. If that is it, you know, there is that observer. You you can see that there is that consciousness of both thoughts that are uh, just springing up and the intellect that's trying to uh, um, restrain and bring it back into what you're trying to do, the one mantra. And then there is, there is an observer of both of that. Um, and um, when the intellect also stops, quote unquote, talking, um, then there's only one remaining and you kind of experience that. <laughs> you're not experienced, you are that rather, uh, right? Which is beyond both of them. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I, uh, how I see it, like uh, I, I remember uh, in one of uh, uh, his talks, uh, Swami Tadatmananda, he talks about, you know, when uh, try to also have a sankalp of saying um, not to use words in this me in meditation. So in inner voice, just give it a sankalp of don't use words, right? So then it, 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 I tried this once, and it's kind of uh, it, it's a very good way of uh, actually. When there are no words being used in inner voice, um, there are actually thoughts. Is not thoughts are not possible. <laughs> you know, words in any language. For them. And you, you say that there are no words. Uh, uh, please don't use any words. And uh, you, you'll be surprised to see the thoughts don't come. Um, there is no way to express thoughts uh, without words in the inner voice. It's it's kind of an interesting one. So. Yeah, so if, if the intellect also says, yes, I'm, I'm going to stop talking, right? The mind is already calm. And, and then what, right? There's, there is that only the observer at that point that's uh, remaining, right? And that, obviously that observer is the Chidabhasa, right? That's also the reflection of the universal um, uh, Brahman, but, you know, as reflected in, 
your intellect and you are one with that at that point right so that's that's kind of my understanding um i'm not if others can uh, chime in as well so yeah <clears throat> see actually um you know with you uh, kishore uh, you know um see first of all uh, thoughts can come in the form of flashes or feelings ideas etc right uh, the way i uh, understand is it that the thoughts lead to um you know uh, comes through flashes feelings and ideas and then uh, it turns into a, uh, a with determination it becomes a sankalp okay and that sankalp can uh, you know um uh, is something that you know helps i mean makes you to actually go behind the object of uh, you know um, uh, sensory pleasure or whatever and um, uh, this finally culminates into the uh, you know into a desire okay and uh, i think what is being said is that um, you know while all this happens um, i think one needs to learn to quieten the you know the mind um, you know through uh, the conviction of the intellect so the example that is normally said is that you know sometimes we may know the knowledge but we may still not be able to implement it yeah and uh, which is exactly the place where one needs to uh, use the intellect okay and uh, gradually uh, you know uh, nullify the mind uh, to the extent uh, you know that it doesn't go towards the external world so 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 i think um, that's my take on that um, that is thoughts lead to sankalp leads to uh, uh, desire and uh, using the intellect to actually um, <clears throat> you know regulate the mind and uh, you know sort of um, uh, bring it back to the you know uh, union with uh, the brahman yeah we hear the analogy of uh, uh, from katopanishad helps right in terms of seeing the interplay um, if you go back to the uh, uh, the horse cart uh, analogy where the the five horses are the five senses the reins uh, the mind and the intellect is the charioteer right so um the reins being held by the charioteer and guided by the charioteer is the important part right and um and not the other way around where the horses are taking you wherever and it's going to end up in some kind of an accident no matter what right if if every horse decides to go its own way right so um yeah so the the other part about sankalp right and there's another one um from uh, swami t uh, you know in his meditation uh, series he talks about always starting with a sankalp in any meditation session with a sankalp um and swami g also uh, talks about this said that when you start just give it uh, that that um that sankalp in the beginning saying for the the mind so it's the intellect telling the mind hey it is uh, these you know 10 20 30 minutes um we are going to be in meditation and hence uh please set aside all the um you know um usually the mind is engaged in something in the future something in the past uh, it's uh, delving into delving into something that's happened or planning scheming um things for the future um and uh, or making judgment or it's a random thought you mean you know if you classify the or label all of the thoughts that are coming in you would see uh, these being um, uh, most of it uh, one way or the other 
So I think it, a desire is used as a, uh, as those things that pull uh, or get the mind to uh, bring up, spring up these thoughts. Because underlying the why are these thoughts coming? Because there are there is a certain uh, desire in the in the background, right behind the behind that that's resulting in this, which is coming from obviously the vasanas and through that channel these thoughts are coming up. So. Uh, and when I read these uh, slokas, I and they talk about desire, I I'm think I connected back to that. Why are these thoughts coming up in the first place? Why these thoughts versus something else, right? If you think about it, there are certain, um, yeah. So that sankalp is to say, hey, for these few minutes, let's set that aside, right? Right up front, you're requesting the mind to say, let's set it aside for, for the time being, right? And um, um, there is, in other words, if you're not having thoughts about the future, not having thoughts about the past, then you are in the present. In other words, then it means that be completely present. This is is the uh, is what we are asking the mind to do, right? And then saying, "Hey, um, let's uh, repeat this mantra," right? Just to give it one thing to do. So that is a sankalp before a meditation uh, session. So it is like the intellect requesting and seeking cooperation from the mind. Um, and then as it advances into, um, is able to keep up that one thought and, and one mantra for a certain period of time, then it is able to, uh, uh, and then the intellect can also, um, uh, you know, quote unquote, stop talking because uh, it is fairly silent at that point. And then you, it, uh, the reflection on, uh, of the self in the intellect is something that um, the way I see it is, you are able to see yourself in the mirror, right? In in, in that sense, right? Because the intellect is able to uh, reflect the self more um, clearly, and hence you are actually face to face. The self is face to face with itself. It's a reflection of itself in the intellect. That's kind of how I see it. Because you are um, that, um, that also needs to be a medium to uh, to see it. And that medium is the intellect. It is getting reflected. The, the Atman is getting reflected there. Right? And that's what you experience. Uh, well, you can't use the word experience, but that's what you become at that point. And also, this is a big element of practice, right? I mean, in the sense, uh, one needs to really put in a lot of effort to make this happen. It's not going to happen just like that. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, yeah, it, it ends like that, you know, moves on to the next two saying that uh, the explanation is coming, you know, right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I found that, that uh, with Chinese, Chinese, right? It's little by little. <laughs> yeah, little by little. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's one statement in the commentary which says detachment from one object is possible for the mind only when it has attached itself to another. Right. So, uh, yeah, and uh, somewhere in, I think, uh, Swami SPG's talk, it's mentioned that uh, for starting with the stage of dharana, you use a nishta devata and a mantra as an object that you focus on, which is helpful. But uh, it cannot be Patanjali Yoga Sutras, right, Alpana, that, about nishta devata and a mantra. Uh, it cannot be Patanjali Yoga Sutras, isn't it? Because Patanjali, at that time, I don't think he had uh, uh, 
this was the concept of Ishta Devata per se. Yeah, but using anything as an alambanam. Yeah, I it's an alambanam, right? It's giving it one thing. It doesn't, no, Patanjali doesn't talk about, uh, he just says one thing. He doesn't, I, I don't think he even says mantra. No, I, I don't think they talk about it even from that angle. But later on, they talk about Om in um, Yoga Sutras too. Um, as a, uh, but again, he doesn't say do, prescribe it, saying do this, right? He says, yeah, mind, mind being in one um, rather than many, from many to one. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Because there, I think the, the focus is more on forcefully stopping your mind from going anywhere. But I think as a corollary, in most practices, we use alambanam to, as you rightly said, that it's very hard to remove mind from everything. Any so what we need to do is to focus on either breathing what? or any... Some any... object, some object. Yeah, okay. yeah. But, so, uh, even there he, uh, in, in the sutras, they do talk about one thing again. So that is the dharna state and it's... and clearly mentioning dharna uh, and before that is we call it pratyahara right pratyahara is pulling away from the sense organs pulling in so you are now going more into the subtler stages into the mind mm -hmm. and then giving um, getting the mind to do one thing right so that could instead of being prescriptive it says that is the concept so you can choose whatever right and uh, that could be a mantra it could be uh, breath Right, it could be something else, right? So, and then, as you give it one that um, one thing to do, that restrains the mind quite a quite a bit. Instead of going helter skelter here and there, right? Just it's just a good. But over a period of time, as the meditator becomes more, um, uh, what do you say? Naturally, directs you know is able to get there. You don't have to go through that, right? They can. They will probably um, go into dhyana directly because um, the mind is uh, fairly well um, established in that sense it's it's able to it's able to switch more more easily right at that point actually 6.22 is a very important uh, shloka too uh, Swami SPG yeah. gave a few lectures on it. <laughs> I want to listen to that. I haven't listened. But uh, Swami SPG is uh, this thing on 2021. I think all of you should listen. It, it's got a beautiful explanation of uh, uh, the meditator, the object of meditation, uh, the, the practice of meditation and the object of meditation and how as you progress, each one of them will fall off, uh, you know, so there's just the, um, just the state of bliss which remains, everything else falls off, uh, explains it beautifully. Now think about this, right? I mean, to get the mind to not have that a flood of thoughts like that. Actually, it is very surprising when you initially observe your own mind, how, how fast it's moving from one thing to the other to the other. And, yeah, yeah. and how um, 
our awareness is powering it also, right? So our consciousness, we are giving it the power by engaging with it. The moment yeah. you engage with that thought, it's got the power and it can go into the next. And then again, we give it, uh, give the second thought, uh, the engagement, and then it gets even more and then draws you in, draws you in, right? And just keeps going through those series of uh, uh, thoughts again in a random way often. Now, but the, the moment you are able to pull back and not engage with it and be a pure observer, again, this is where the, the, the mindful part comes in. You see that the power is not given. So the thought comes up and then dies down. The thought comes up, dies down because you're not giving it the power of awareness. The moment you engage, then it knows it can give you the next series in that series and takes you down a path, right? And we are now um, fully immersed in the, in the thoughts, but you're able to pull back and not forcefully, but uh, in the sense of being a, a complete observer. Even if you don't know who that observer is initially, and to be able to, then you get the mind to a certain state. But then if you know Vedanta and yoga and you understand um, what the concepts are behind the scenes, the theory behind the scenes is, then, um, then you understand what's happening, right? I mean, that, that's to me the difference, you know, when purely from a Western audience, when they just talk about mindfulness, they are talking about the technique. Yes, that is part of it. But then the deeper understanding probably is most likely missing. Um, but then that power is, is something that you realize that um, uh, giving, yeah, uh, engagement with the thought is the power. power. Is yeah. the power that you're giving the mind to go ahead with that thought. So it is important to stay neutral. And you know, often, you know, things like, uh, you know, it's like watching the traffic you know, you're on top of a you know 10-story building or 20-story building. You're on the terrace watching the traffic go uh, down below, right? You're not in it, so it's not disturbing you. You are purely sitting there and watching all the stuff that's going on. So that's you know, one way of looking at it. So um, yeah, it is important to realize that, and you'll see that if you're if once you even start to meditate, uh, that engagement with the thought. Uh, gives it power, right? Then you can ask, where is the thought coming from? Why did that thought come in the first place? And why is it so strong, right? So um, if you trace that back, uh, it comes back to obviously the vasanas, your past experiences, and uh, the place where it's coming from obviously um, would have been something that either disturbed you or there is something uh, strong out there, right? In the subconscious. And you don't have direct access to that subconscious. And hence, by not engaging, you're indirectly telling the subconscious, hey, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not going to engage with this. And hence it slows down the power uh, uh, from which those thoughts arise, right? Um, I, I don't know if I'm explaining this way, but basically uh, it, it is changing the subconscious by the process of engagement and uh, uh, you know pulling it back into one, so you're not giving it the power. So it is changing something in the subconscious. So in the future period, I mean, little by little by little, the power or the strength of those thoughts actually don't bind you as much. It doesn't pull you as much. There is no strong pull, and you're able to sit for a longer period of time 
um, being able to stay as an observer for a longer period of time, right? Because the pull of the thought is not as much over a period of time, because from the subconscious that thoughts don't have the same level of strength um, as they had before. Now that is the desire part, right? That's the desire part in the subconscious, right? That is this strong thing that got the thought to come in in the first place. You're breaking that down a little bit, uh, little by little, right? So, um, and hence uh, the, the, the discrimination and the dispassion part of um, that we had, uh, uh, read earlier, because that is the, those are the ones that are giving it the power, right? Um, but once uh, dispassion is established, that power is slowly broken down from in the subconscious. So that's kind of how I correlate all of these things with, uh, and because to me in meditation, all of these things come together. It, uh, rubber hits the road uh, here because you're observing your mind. I mean, we can talk about as much as you want in terms of having a quiet mind and so on, but then here you're face to face with it. I mean, you see what's happening in your own mind. <laughs> well said, Kishore, yeah. Excellent. So, so that's one way, definitely, and it's very powerful, which uh, Kishore had explained that, you know, you bring it back and um, you, you don't give power to the thought. Um, but those who can't practice that, then the other positive affirmation is to have a Vedantic thought and don't let your mind go away from that. So, um, and that's the that's the lecture I was talking about where uh, Swami SPG, he spoke on actually 6.22 in a, not as part of his Gita classes, but otherwise also he's given a lecture that this is the highest, highest thing. And yes. so there he mentions that uh, so you can think about, uh, you know, there are some paradoxical statements which you can think about, and they are quite, uh, uh, you know, it's a circular loop, so you don't get out of it. So things like it is smaller than the smallest and larger than the largest. So, so, so either you can start thinking that oh, it is smaller than the smallest. You go till the atom, but it is even the anurinian and mahatorinian or something, right? Yeah, it's. Um... Okay, uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah so, so any of the paradoxical <clears throat> techniques you can, you can use, with this also use this technique, okay. where, you, where you try to engage your mind, mind. some of these thought processes. So the, the example he took was this one, that the, the largeness and the smallness is of the object, but not of the isness. So an atom is tiny, so it gets smaller and smaller. The upadhi is getting smaller and smaller. The title is getting smaller and smaller. And if you think about Earth, Earth is big. But if you think about isness, you cannot say it is small or big. Small and big are atoms and Earth and space and universes and galaxies. But if you say isness, isness is not small. Small, it, it takes the shape of small or large because of a title given to it. So he said, those are few, few examples he gives that, you know, so, so what I was saying was, if you're struggling to, uh, to divert your mind from some of the desires that are coming, how do you, I mean, you can use those Pratipaksha Bhavna and all those are also very, very powerful. But another way is, if you want to intellectually stim stimulate it, think in one direction. You can pick up one of the Vedantic statement and just think about that. So, and the results are similar. 
in in both the cases. Yeah. So yeah. so that's, nice. that's the way to do it. Very nice, Alpana. Very very cool. So Kishan. Kishore, what you said about uh, thoughts and disengaging, right? That reminds me of something I heard a long time ago from Muku's guru. He uses this term called uh, unclutching. And it is actually a shaft that you cling on to with your thoughts. And that shaft is either of uh, sorrow or uh, happiness that you have experienced. And all your thoughts that keep arising are because you're hanging on to that shaft, right? You unclutch yourself from that shaft and then those thoughts will kind of uh, uh, go down was uh, something he had mentioned. He uses this term called unclutching yourself uh, from that uh, shaft. Uh, and uh, to your point, uh, Alpana, in this commentary for uh, 20, uh, three or something, it's uh, Swami C says, the mind is thought flow and as such, the constant thought of the nature of the self is to be the exercise by which the mind should be restrained by the intellect, right? So that's something that you were just saying, right? Use one of the Vedantic uh, expressions or uh, for instance, yeah. So Nididhyasan in more technical terms actually mean that the constant thought of that I am Brahman needs to become larger and larger. I mean, we tend to think Nididhyasana initially is more of contemplation, but contemplation is more mananam. Um, so even because that, that contemplation will get doubts and those doubts are removed. So once you are convinced that you are Atman, how long can you hold on to that thought? Because the moment you start it, then some other thought will come. So, so try to increase the duration of that thought that I am Brahmasmi, Aham Brahmasmi, etc. So, so, and these are few techniques to do the Nididhyasana. That's the Vedantic Nididhyasana we talk about. Yeah. Very true. And to this uh, point about small, small, smaller than the smallest and larger than the largest. Um, actually, uh, one way to also look at it is you know as you meditate you're going from the body and you're going inward in from to subtler states and then um you know you you observe the intellect and you're going subtler so which means you're going smaller it is smaller than uh, the body and so on you're going subtler but on the other hand you are you can observe your body on the whole as if you have an out of the body experience right you are an observer from outside the body observing this body, right? So in that sense, it is there everywhere. And this body is just one of the uh, things that you're observing uh, as if it's, um, uh, 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 it's a macro thing that's everywhere, right? So you can also kind of experience it, uh, experience that in meditation when you observe your own body uh, from outside as if it's from outside. It's an out of the body experience, right? That uh, body is separate from you. And you can, uh, uh, because you can see that. Again, Dhritarishya Viveka is gonna help you because it's like, yeah, you're observing it, hence it cannot be you. And that's one of the fundamental, the observe and observed are different. So if you're able to observe something, then it cannot be you, right? So that can be also reinforced in meditation because you're see, watching your thoughts, so that cannot be me. Watching your body, different so when you uh, pay attention to different parts of the body going from head to toe 
you kind of reinforce that uh, uh, with the background of Dhritarishya Vivekan of that cannot be me, right? Because I'm able to observe it. Uh, um, and the same thing with your mind and same thing with the intellect. Actually, the intellect is driving this saying that you are not, but that is also a thought that's coming from the intellect, right? Uh, when there is a thought that says you are not the body, right? And you're observing it, you're not the body. That is a thought also. Right, and uh, that's coming from the intellect. So eventually, you see, hey, wait a minute. Then who is observing that? Um, that thought that's coming from the intellect, um, and uh, th there is no answer. Uh, it, it, it's just you at that point, right? There is no thing that you can point to at that point. And you know, we see why people struggle with saying. <laughs> with explaining this because it's, um, you can't explain what is Atman because it's, uh, you hit a wall. It's just not possible. How can you explain what that is? Uh, yeah, in, <laughs> I'm also struggling right now to say, I don't know what to say. It's like you hit a wall and there is nothing to explain beyond that because you are that observer. <laughs> it's very, uh, yeah. But only in meditation, I, I, I'm uh, curious to hear actually because Unless, um, like when we read this, um, and but unless you actually experience this process happening in your own mind and intellect, um, I mean, to me that gives it, uh, what do you say? Oh yeah, now I can completely correlate that with what I learned. Um, you know, it's the, uh, it almost seems like theory and practice, uh, but I know some gurus say, don't think of it that way, but, uh, uh, it feels like that, just, you know, uh, to me, because unless you go through this, how will, is it possible to assimilate it uh, deeply, the knowledge? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious uh, to hear, because uh, many gurus don't, uh, um, I think they, uh, because there's a lot of confusion about meditation, of what it is, then uh, uh, they tend to not, um, push for this, right? Push for um, meditation as a standard practice, at least on the Vedantic side. Uh, it seems like that to me. Maybe I'm making an assumption here. Um, but then unless uh, you are able to watch this interplay of thoughts, the thoughts from the intellect and then the observer, um, I just feel that it's, very, it's a very powerful way to kind of understand and assimilate the uh, teachings. I feel it is still knowledge, uh, uh, sure, uh, and you need to experience it, right? All that we are doing right now is uh, the theory part, you're right, but uh, in order to experience, the sure short way is the path of meditation. But there was uh, some, some spiritual guru, right, who said meditation is not required or something of that nature. Uh, that's what, uh, who went ahead without meditation, but eventually did resort to meditation because he just could not do meditation, meditate and concentrate. I, I forget that. I know. But, but you're right. The, all this is knowledge and you cannot get realization with just knowledge, but you need to experience it and go through it in order to uh, get there, right? So, 
But what is also stated is this is the last lap of the journey to which deliberate and conscious action can take any seeker. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, it has to be the most difficult, I'm sure, right? This uh, stages of dharana, dhyana, and uh, samadhi. The effort stops in dharana, to be clear. Like, uh, and beyond that is effortless. It has to evolve into that. Right? The effort, even from the intellect, to bring back and uh, mm. to that one thought uh, is dharana, right? But beyond that, it will it has to naturally evolve. There's no effort happening there. Mm-hmm. I think last week we spoke about a good analogy of um, uh, viscous oil, hot viscous oil being poured. So you, you see the oil, um, when, you, when hot viscous oil is poured from a container, uh, constant, constantly, you, you, it feels like there's, it's like a small transparent piece of plastic or something like that, right? But then it's actually uh, oil getting poured. So it, it's in the same way. It's the same thing repeated after every after moment after moment. It's the same thought. So in the in the Yoga Sutras, the definition of dhyana or meditation is given as if the is a state where the the same thought happens moment after moment. Right. So here, when you pour oil, it's oil going after, if you look at one spa- uh, space, and if you constantly look at it, it's the same oil particles or similar oil particles going one after the other. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the same way, it's the same thought moment after moment, that same one thought moment after moment is, is how um, meditation is uh, definition is given as part of the Ashtanga Yoga. Right. So which is in line with what we are saying. Yeah, it's that one thought and staying with that thought. Right? And here the, that thought is that of, of um, contemplation and something Alambana related to self. But clearly in Vedanta, it is still a prereq to knowledge. So. Correct, correct. Uh, so Uday, contrary to your statement, it is actually prerequisite to knowledge, not not knowledge converts into meditation. So you're saying meditation is a pretext to knowledge? Yes. Really? I think the definition of knowledge actually, right? That I am so, Brahman. That, that, that only, that tattva again. So not any knowledge, but... I, that I is might... a realization, right? Yeah, or no. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Chitra, sorry. I think my understanding when uh, Kishore and Uday are talking about knowledge is basically the process or understanding how to do or what we are discussing here. I think they are referring to knowledge as that, like what we, like science and physics. Yeah, whereas knowledge Alpna you're referring to is the ultimate knowledge, right? So obviously that will come only after meditation. So I think it's the word knowledge being used in different context or different meaning. Sorry. Um, Am I right? Yeah. yeah. If I may uh, just expand on that, it's like the knowledge of, let's say we learned about the body, mind, intellect, thoughts, and all. uh, 
we, we've learned about that. We learned about ragadvesha and desires, dispassion, uh, all that. So that is also, well, quote unquote knowledge, right? But not the highest knowledge, but it is also stuff that we've learned. In meditation, you can see that is kind of what I, uh, what I meant. Uh, so that knowledge becomes more assimilated because um, I, what you read and what you're now seeing in um, uh, seeing it happen, right? You're you're going through that. You're experiencing your mind. For usually we don't, right? We kind of assume we're just so caught up in the mind that we don't know what's happening to our mind because we have never actually given a chance to observe what's happening and the interplay between mind and intellect. It's, uh, the intellect's voice typically gets. Uh, drawn, uh, drowned out right in in the midst of all the other thoughts that happen in the mind so that's usually the case but for a in as you meditate more you get to see what's happening so to me that is what uh, chitra is also mentioning thanks for explaining that because catching that uh, subtlety because that is also knowledge of uh, of the structure and how things are it's not the highest form or highest knowledge but th that one is getting assimilated right because um, yeah, when uh, Swami sees, uh, I think he talks quite a bit about BMI, right? And now you understand, oh yeah, this is what he means. Um, now I, now when I go back to those uh, things, I, I can at least relate. Okay, this is what Swamiji is talking about, right? In that sense, uh, in that type of knowledge, is, yeah. Anyone else? I haven't read, but I have some questions, the previous ones. So if that's okay, I can bring that in. <laughs> Just get my back ones. But uh, whoever has not read these uh, verses and commentary, please, please uh, go through them. They're just wonderful uh, few stanzas. Okay, so um, let me just find the question I had. Um, I was a little confused about this Sankalpa Shakti. Uh, so in short, we have a goal. We have not yet started acting. And then the moment we start the strife, we seem to have no goal to reach. So I kind of got confused. Uh, uh, actually, I didn't understand this at all. So I thought maybe if someone can throw some light on this so if we have a goal, then why do we lose sight when we start acting? I mean, obviously, this means something which I'm not understanding. Sankalp is like we 
articulate it in our head itself what we really want otherwise if it's not articulated then over a period of time we may lose what we actually started doing so that's why they're saying do a sankalp meaning say this is what i'm heading out to or starting to achieve if we don't do that yes we would have thought yeah i want to do this like what happens with normally some of us right we are going to uh, close the light on the way you see a glass which is <laughs> not filled you start feeling that and you go there and then you figure out something so if you have done the sankalp that my sankalp is to go and actually switch off the light uh, it helps that actually you will go and first switch off the light and then come back to if you saw something else that's the difference in a very very common way that the way that i understand so it helps but to do sankalp the way i interpreted uh, chitra was uh, the futility of these goals because the instant you achieve the goal you have another goal that that, that springs up in your mind right so you're constantly going after these goals which is uh, which could be pointless is the way i you know interpreted that uh, uh, that section uh, where they talked about sankalp uh, okay. but honestly yeah i thought sankalp was a good thing always but uh, yeah reading these uh, things uh, that's what i felt that it is yeah it is pointless because you go after these goals and the only goal which is uh, uh, what uh, uh, bona fide is the one to uh, you know uh, go through this process and reach the state of samadhi or realize uh, the this thing that's the only bona fide uh, sankalpa i guess okay so in this particular case he is okay because that makes no sense because when alpana you were saying uh, i always thought that you know we kept talking about sankalpa in this group where we you know our sankalpa has to reach the final goal but here he is saying it's a saboteur you know like it's basically better to destroy it so i was very confused <laughs> so i was wondering <laughs> what is happening here okay So it makes no sense. Then maybe he's talking about the goals that keep shifting. Yes. So don't have the shifting goals and have like one permanent goal. Okay, maybe that. Okay. Yeah. So that is to go from kamya karma to nishkam karma. So then you then you actually eventually just get rid of the sankalpas because you're not doing it for yourself. But then if there are any things that you want to do for self, then it is better to do it with sankalpa rather than. Okay, makes sense. Correct. And then and you move on to the next. Your again goal is bhagavad prapti or self-realization. Then, okay. Then you shouldn't. Yes. Eventually, uh, basically, you don't even need a sankal if your uh, mind is so strong that it doesn't get distracted. Then you don't need a sankal. Correct. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. Okay. Okay. As I said, I haven't read. read i'm still in 16th or something so i want to take some time to reach <laughs> but it's a very a very nice i like some things where he's talking even about um, uh, even meditation don't overdo meditation you know in the beginning and things like you know everything in moderation which i think you said the first when we open this thing about how moderation is very important so even uh, uh, don't think you only have to meditate or don't try to uh, overdo anything even a good thing overdone is not good yeah. so i like that part 
And I love the way um, he's talking about how there should be no wetness when you are meditating. I mean, such details of how to sit for meditation, how to have something that absorbs the wetness, put something and put a cloth on top of the skin. So I'm amazed. I mean, actually, I've never read the Gita. This is the first time I'm reading it. So I'm really amazed at the detail that's there in every aspect. Really liked it. Very true. What is to be done is very clearly given. Only thing it's very difficult to do what is to be done. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> but think about it. Yet another way, right? If you think about it. Um, Okay, there are these thoughts that are constantly coming. That's how mind is. I mean, so when a lot of people say, yeah, I find it hard to meditate, that, that is no doubt, right? These thoughts are going to come. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, there is a, a misconception, right? You have to somehow uh, strong arm your way to get rid of these thoughts. I mean, that, that, that is all, there are all these myths about what meditation is, right? But it's actually the other way around. It's like you can't do it. That's, yeah, that's how... Mind's nature is you know, the thoughts are going to be there. You're training it um, slowly, slowly, or a period of time. It's not going to happen overnight. And um, uh, if you think about like where these thoughts come from, and 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 then um, slowly, uh, what do you say? Weaken those the the source of these thoughts. The source of these thoughts is. And that's where I think if you look at 24 again, desire, what is the root of these thoughts? Where is it coming from? Why, why is it so strong? The number of thoughts, the type of thoughts, the strength of these thoughts. Um, if you go back, it would be in the subconscious as a desire, some kind of like or dislike that's been imprinted. Um, and that's giving you that, right? And also uh, things like, yeah, I want to plan this, there's judgment. Um, there's so many of these type of thoughts that come um, that you are going to be facing. Now, um, one way is to also keep breaking down that uh, route again through, again, in, in, in yoga, they talk about uh, uh, the opposite thought, right? So let's say there is judgment or jealousy or some sort that keeps coming when you observe your own mind. Well, that's the current state. Let's accept it. That's one. And then to counter it, right counter it with the exact opposite thought and then so that the opposite thought now goes back into the subconscious and gets and weakens the uh, first thought that was already there right so over a period of time the subconscious is changed right so when somebody says yeah i'm i'm a different person now and uh, that's uh, over a period of time that's what is happening your subconscious is getting changed in uh, your vasanas are getting changed the channels are being redrawn. And uh, the, yeah, so uh, to me, that is a huge aspect of meditation, right? Because without that, how can it, it, it is almost impossible uh, to achieve anything beyond that, right? In the sense of uh, restraining, quote unquote, restraining the mind, right? That's not going to happen if there are these strong thoughts that are coming. So that's where, to me, if I were to look at it from Yoga Sutra's side, uh, the, uh, the Yamas and Niyamas to me are the most important uh, aspect of 
right? Because yeah. if you're doing that, if you're following dharma consistently daily basis, and so then those strong things that are driving the thoughts that are not there because you have not said anything rude to anybody. Let's just say you hold on to ahimsa. No matter what the situation is, let's say you have not, you you responded, but not really reacted to it. And you're not, uh, you know, uh, shouted at someone or being, uh, then those thoughts are not there. Those imprints are not there to give you those thoughts. So you slowly eliminate um, those, anything that has given you those strong uh, thoughts, right? For a period of time through yamas and yamas, through uh, following those values provided in Gita in the following chapters and essentially dharma. Then that sets the stage, right? One level of um, a set of thoughts have been um, slowed down, right? You, you no longer have those strong thoughts from, from that. But if, if what we do is guiding, uh, uh, you know, is different, I mean, if we are just doing what we normally do and we've not made any changes there, those thoughts are going to flood our um, mind when we even sit to meditate. It's just going to be impossible. It's absolutely impossible, right? And we get frustrated and we give up. And that's also going to happen. So, well, very well said. Uh, yeah. So, Kisha, I heard this that, yeah, if you're not able to meditate, it means that your mind is not pure enough to start the meditation process. And the way to get there is the karma yoga part, right? So, Absolutely. you go back to karma yoga, and like you said, uh, yamas, niyamas, and all those will help uh, in the process to get to a stage where you can uh, get to meditate. But otherwise, I believe there are people who just cannot close their eyes. As soon as they close their eyes, you know, uh, they need to, yeah, they, they get completely uh, disturbed, right? So uh, that is the stage then the karma yoga is the solution for you to reach to a stage where your mind is calm enough to practice meditation. I, I just heard one of these. Yeah, that's uh, right. these days. Again, in the lake analogy, if it's and the lake is um, impure, then you need to help it uh, help the sediments go down, uh, and then uh, calm the water, the waves on top of the. I mean, you, you need to right. do both, right? So before you can, that's right. Yeah. So karma yoga, yamas and yamas, following those for a period of time, and that develops the discrimination and dispassion. So what is again discrimination? Because when we Look at these desires that come in. Are you able to, uh, is the intellect able to counter that desire by saying, hey, uh, but is this really, do I really want to bind, be bound by this because um, this is all temporary. It's just going to go away, right? That level of countering by the intellect when a desired thought comes in, to me is a discriminative thought, right? It's a discrimination that we have developed. Earlier, we used to just get pulled with that and we are bound by that desire. But now the intellect is able to step back and say, why are you so desirous after this? It's finally, it's going to be temporary. It's going to give you a, a certain amount of joy for a short period of time. After that, what, right? So it's able to ask those questions. That is discrimination to me, that, inter that, that kind of questioning happening inside the mind. Um, and over a period of time, the power of these thoughts, the desirous thoughts happening in the mind will go down, right? So that has to happen again as a prerequisite so that 
um, you know, when you're in meditation, for instance, it will not, those type of thoughts don't uh, have that strength anymore, right? So, yeah, and the Sadhana Chaturstam comes together. You see why they are saying that, because um, without that, it's almost impossible. You kind of see why those prerequisites are there. I mean, uh, because you're in the, the thoughts that are filling your mind, they have gone down because the, the, you see the futility of these desires and you're able to uh, and not give it strength because you understand the intellect is able to understand the futility and hence the power is not given to the thoughts that come uh, of the desirous thoughts that come in. Right. So that countering is happening inside inside our mind, if, if, if you will. Uh, between intellect and the mind and eventually leading to dispassion because then um, hey I'm no longer bound by these desires okay it happens happens it doesn't happen it's okay so that level of um, attitude starts to develop but then these thoughts don't kind of hold you uh, bind you right so you kind of see <laughs> a lot of those things at play um, I just want to add another thing here. Uh, yes, uh, it's very, it's nice if we can constantly do that, but there are times when we are unable to actually, because uh, there are some deep desires that uh, obviously we're not aware and it comes up when we least expect it. Uh, one of the things that really work, and I think like I, when I heard Alpana chanting the, the shlokas we're going to do, that's another way of, you know, if you're going to sit, you know, do some chanting or listen to some music, so that your mind then is slowly getting into the mode of meditation versus just, okay, now I'm, you know, I've finished looking at my WhatsApp, now I'm going to sit and meditate. So just a, just a thought. That... Yeah, no, absolutely. Chitra, if I may quickly add, yesterday it happened to me. I mean, I meditate in the morning uh, and yesterday I started to meditate and there was this series of thoughts that I just couldn't, I mean, within the first five, seven minutes, I, I kind of knew uh, it, it is so strong that I, there's just something happening at work that's completely taking over. I said, okay, I just folded my mat, put that away, and went for a walk. I mean, that, that it was just not going to be possible. <clears throat> so, um, yes, absolutely. There, there are those times. And just let it pass. <laughs> yeah, by letting it pass, you're also not giving it power, right? So, yeah. Uh, exactly. That's yeah. It's like, yeah, there's just two strong winds on that. Let it come day. and go. That's what they say, you know, when you sit in, the thoughts come and let it come and go. And like you said, you don't give attached to it so that uh, you give it power. So you don't give it power by letting it pass, you know. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, so, Chitra, I mean, something that you said, right? Um, relating to, you know, um, chant the slokas, chant uh, this to keep yourself occupied, you know. Um, there is a story in Bhagavatam, I don't know whether you know of this, that uh, in Kali Yuga, the, the prescription is actually Namasmarana. Yeah, yeah, you're aware of that? Yeah. So apparently, um, the story in uh, this one, Bhagavatam goes like this, that um, the, the Pandavas, other than Yudhishthira, I think, uh, are asking Krishna as to, you know, how the Kali is going to shape up. So he shoots it in four different directions and they go. 
so and then he comes back and when the pandavas come back they ask krishna in terms of what did he see you know so i think uh, the one uh, pandava says that uh, he saw a uh, you know a beautiful cuckoo but uh, while it was singing it was also eating the meat of uh, you know an animal so he says this is how the brahmins will be you know <clears throat> right and uh, while they will sing the praises of the lord they may not be necessarily following what is right you know the second uh, element is um, somebody would come i mean the second pandava would come back and he he would have seen that um, you know there is a, there are four or five wells um you know where uh, it's completely dry and there's a center well which is completely you know overflowing with water so krishna gives an you know analogy saying that in kaliyuga you know you will have riches you know concentrated with a few right and uh, there will be you know a lot of poverty around but uh, they will not be the heart to actually share that abundance that you have with the rest of the you know uh, people around right so that is a second uh, observation in kali yuga the third observation is um, they see a, um, a a cow and a calf right the the cow is refusing to let go of the calf right and in the process uh, the calf actually doesn't after it is born it's refusing to let go and as a result it's not unable to stand and then finally you know sort of uh, withers away right and um, he says that you know this is basically the attachment that parents will have to children hmm? right <clears throat> and um, they will not allow the children to learn the ropes by throwing in a lot of attachment i remember the question that you showed about last time the teachers coming in i mean the parents coming in arguing with you it's it's kali yuga okay as per bhagavatam and the last one is what uh, you know uh, is related to what you are saying right now is that um, they he the i think it was nakula sahade they would have seen a rock coming down from the hill okay coming down so fast um, and um, it would suddenly stop in front of a sapling okay and uh, they will he will be amazed because how is it that you know the rock uh, of such big size is being stopped by a sapling right <clears throat> so so the story explanation from krishna is the rock is the character of the people in kali yuga it will keep sliding okay the character of the person you know will keep sliding and because of whatever you know happening around and the sapling which stops is it namasmarana the sapling that actually stops it from sliding further is namasmarana okay so this is the story in bhagavatam just thought i'll share with you because some very nice you know, very nice yeah. awesome 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 yeah and actually this is one more thing you know um um you know when you say that you want to regulate your mind right there are <clears throat> two ways i think uh, one is you know like i still come back to the kosas right the, the the prana the mana and the intellect right so you can the manas is in between the prana and the intellect right mm-hmm. so while body is also there in the consciousness but it is slightly far away right i mean physically you know let's assume that it is separated so what happens is you use the intellect and say the way we have been discussing so far and saying that how can you use the discriminating power of the intellect to tell the mind what exactly to do and not to do right that is one way to do it the second way is to do regulation of breath you know right that's why pranayam actually helps a lot and uh, pranayam combined with namasmarana i'm telling you will help <laughs> it will certainly help yeah yeah, yeah. 
and again uh, it's all a question of practice right so you know um, you keep doing it for some time it's like uh, how um, people explain it right if you want to be a you know athlete or a sachin tendulkar you know you can't generally go take the bat and start playing that i will play for india you will have to start playing your you know uh, counties and you have to do your daily training before you actually you know graduate to those levels so while that is the end state that is being described i think uh, there is a process and we'll need to therefore you know go step by step so not lose another interesting uh, observation i had is you know you spoke about pranayama right i mean pranayama is um, i think uh, is is really good because you know you have um you know you want to restrain the mind to some extent right so emas and niyamas have restrained it to a large extent sadhana chaturstham has restrained from mind from being here and there and being completely um uh, strong thoughts coming in because it you have loosened it up quite a bit now uh, you're going subtler so you're going uh, into pranayama that so breath and mind thoughts i mean in the mind i have a direct correlation direct connection right so to me um the the source that drives the thoughts is also that, that is also prana right in the sense that if you look at the uh, what is driving those thoughts what is making it happen so you but breath is the external lever that we have into prana right we don't have a direct access but breath being an external access point a knob if you will that we can turn to control prana to some extent to some extent right it's uh, so we can use that lever that knob to turn it down right and when i say turn it down mean in the sense of control yeah, breathing to yeah. control the amount of prana being used and then that since that is the one that's also driving the thoughts you've you've reduced it to some extent again not the whole thing we, these are all different levels so in that level you reduce it to some extent so you will notice that correlation very easily when you uh, uh, when you um have, uh, when you have very fast thoughts you deep uh, you your breathing is shallow your you know when you're angry your breathing is shallow when your just mind is just running uh, you your breathing pattern changes according to that right on the other hand uh, the corollary is true which is that with breath you can control the thought as well so to a certain extent not to a i mean in that level you can control it so we are doing that also so emas and emas and now pranayama is helping you further take it to a, a one more level of quietude right now as uh, and then you get into meditation and then you see the reverse thing happen which is that as you get deeper into meditation your breath starts to change just organically you actually stop breathing in samadhi is what i'm uh, what i've read which is that the breath actually slows down dramatically as the thoughts slow down in the mind because now you are in meditation there's no effort happening the thoughts have slowed down but that results in the breath becoming thinner thinner and thinner right the reverse happens um and what i've heard again i, I need to verify this with someone is that in samadhi when people get into the nirvikalpa samadhi samadhi state they actually not breathing at that point the breath has completely stopped they're not dead but they're they the breath has stopped the 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 so the thought and the 
breadth correlation is just phenomenal. I mean, it's, it yeah. is connected to the same thing. The way I think of it, it's the same shaft that's connected to. So, uh, so we can look at pranayama as the knob that we have control of that connects every, uh, that is connected to the source, which also drives the thoughts, which is prana, that's it, that source is prana. And then when we consume less of it, and when we are not completely consumed in thoughts, this prana is available to you. That remain, the prana that is wasted in these thoughts and generating these thoughts is now made available to you. And there is no doubt, I mean, when, when uh, uh, um, long time meditators, consistent meditators, when they, when they claim that they don't sleep much or when, you know, or they don't need to eat too much, you kind of see why, because this prana, which is a deeper, higher, form of uh, energy that is derived from the universe is actually available to you, then you don't need food uh, energy from food in that sense, right? So it is not surprising that some of these um, yogis who are meditating for days together or whatnot without food, it's possible because they're drawing that from, some, uh, from a higher source, right? So you kind of see that correlation too, but in a smaller sense, we can also see it in ourselves when the thoughts die down and we start to meditate, the, the level of energy, uh, this is a different type of transcendental energy. It is not the energy that we derive from caffeinated food or anything else like that, right? It's, it's a different type of energy that you gain that can be used in other, uh, obviously in our day-to-day -day, uh, pursuits, right? Whether it's creative pursuits or in other things, right? You, you, I mean, these are all obviously super side benefits. I mean, obviously not the, the main thing, but these are things that you see. I mean, it's, uh, you can see that, right, is, is the point, right? And even those small side benefit is a huge benefit if you think about the amount of focus that you can get and what have you. And, and I think last time we spoke one more uh, point, right? <clears throat> that is just by sitting for five minutes, we may not get the, you know, desired result. Um, it's also a function of how we train the mind in the remaining 23 and a half hours, right? Even if you're sitting for this. So one of the things that we need to do also consciously outside of sitting for just meditation is uh, developing a, uh, you know, mindset of single pointedness. When we do activities in the world outside of uh, meditation. So if you're going to, you know, be cooking in the kitchen, be focused on that and do the job. You know, uh, if you're going to be working, uh, work, you know, 100%. Um, if you're going to be watching a movie also or spending time with the kids, give 100%. You have to develop that yeah. single pointedness in every activity that you do outside of just sitting for those 10 minutes. And then what happens is that when you sit, Absolutely. you know, your mind is again trained to get into that status of single. That At this point in time, I'm going to be doing this and not something else, you know. Right? Very true. Very true. Yeah. You know, at work, like for instance, let's say it's a boring meeting that you're listening to. It's a, there's a very, you know, that's, that is a temptation to start browsing and doing something else, right? Yeah. Can you pull that back and say, let's, let me give this person a chance and let me listen to him fully. Again, uh, being completely mindful and uh, giving that, being present in other words, right? In fact, uh, I keep, uh, when I, when I think of this, you know, I always think that multitasking is a myth, you know, <laughs> people say that I can do this, I can do that. I said, okay, that is, that is, that means that you're not single point <laughs> in a lighter way. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you.
Nice. Any final thoughts from anybody else? Well, good today's Chitra Pournami. I mean, today's, I think, uh, Puratasi Pournami, yeah, today, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, the, uh, the next year, okay. what, what is the connection, Alpana? I don't know the details. I don't know the story, but you make Kheer, Paisam, and you put okay. it outside, and the okay. nectar comes from the moon, and then you eat it next I see. Oh, okay. I didn't know this. What about us um, uh, lactose intolerant people? <laughs> <laughs> it is purified, don't worry. In fact, my mom called me up and said, you chant the Lalita Sasnam today. It's, it's, it's you know, auspicious to do that in our partner. I said, okay, I will do. <laughs> so anyway, all right good. next week we'll do 26 to 30 we'll stick to five i think yeah, yeah yeah all right let's say the closing prayer om sarve bhavantu sukhinaha sarve jnantu niramaya sarve bhadrani pashyantu vakascha dukha bhagave Om Shanti 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 Have a lovely week. Hari Om. Hari Om. Bye. Hari Om. Thank you. Hari Om. <laughs>